1: Hello and welcome to the Betches Up Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Brian Russell-Smith. And the Betches Up Podcast is your bi weekly rundown of all the craziest shit going on in the news brought to you by your two funniest friends. Which is us. Today we're talking about
0: our
2: feelings,
1: our feelings, a Senate impeachment trial,
0: and the
2: British election.
1: Let's get into it.
0: Betches Media presents. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. do you like beer, Senator, or not? Um,
3: My party is going bad <laughs> crazy. Ah! You're the pop. It- Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Suck. Podcast. America.
1: Good morning, Brian. Good morning. We're doing this really early on a Monday. Not mm-hmm. really early, but like we don't normally do the podcast at 9 a.m. EST. Early.
2: early for us. Yeah. And early
1: in the week. Like, who knows? This will probably come out in a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And who knows? I was actually certain because we scheduled this early episode like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And like they're going to vote on impeachment the day we scheduled that early episode. I know. But luckily, we already know that they are doing it. Wednesday. 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 And, and
2: then they had the vote Friday. Right. And right. Then they're doing something Tuesday. So. Right. I think we it's may have lot. unless something crazy happens, which I'm sure it will.
1: Yeah. Something is probably happening right this second. Yeah. And uh, we will tell you about it in the newsletter. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Brian, what's getting you through this week?
2: Well, OK, so I don't know how to there's so lately I've been just having this feeling. Yeah. Especially with me this, too. Yeah with these impeachment updates and this impeachment trial and like, I don't know, just everything going on, like not the trial, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And just like, I, I, it's just been so draining. And then uh, people are like, why are you in a bad mood? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know why I'm in a bad mood. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it seems like everything doesn't matter. And what's the point? Yeah. Which is like one (laughs) would just call like depression, but like (laughs) that I, I, which I experienced obviously, but like, it's, it's more about like, I'm fine in my personal right. life. Everything is great. But when it comes to, like, the way I feel about, you know, the way our democracy is going, I do not.
1: Yeah, I mean, the body, like, internalizes stress and uh-huh. this kind of stuff stresses you out. Yeah. I think that's what you're going to talk about.
2: And so I really found it, like, person- like like you know, written out, like, um, I kind of felt like um, Lauren Hill, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Just like, you know, that song was the, I was like filling me soft me with song, oh, right, right. Killing me. So-. It's yeah. like, but it's like it's like words that I had written. It right. sounded like he's reading my diary. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> um so it's, it's this is an op-ed in the New York Times called Democracy Grief Is Real. It's by Michelle Goldberg. Um and I just really spoke to me. So she wrote, I've noticed and not just myself, a demoralizing degree of fear, even depression. And so she spoke to therapists about this Who you know, see, pe- see people who are, like, experiencing similar feelings. And so she spoke to one uh, psychologist, uh, Karen Starr uh, from Manhattan, and she said some of her patients are in a state of alarm. Mm-hmm. And it, but they were in a state of alarm after the election, and now that's changed into more of a chronic feeling that's bordering on despair. Um, and she wrote, it's about this general feeling that the institutions that we rely on to protect us from a dangerous individual might fail. Mm-hmm. Another psychotherapist said... Um, well, her her patients are primarily women of color, that the political station situation is always in the room. It's always in the room. Trump is always there. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump has made bigotry more open and acceptable, something her patients feel in their daily lives. And then she said, when you're dealing with people of color's mental health, systematic racism is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it really comes down to, as you know, I think is the scale of these lies and these minfin- misinformations it's like you know before before Trump the Americans you know our foes or what have you were geopolitical yeah it was russia it was you know in the mi- par- parts of the middle east um, but now we have a president who basically treats one half of the country like enemies and uses you know dehumanization and hostile propaganda to really like put them down, yeah. and when you can see when they when you can see someone lying, and you see his, the Republicans lying, for instance, they insist that Trump was deeply concerned about corruption in Ukraine, despite you know having to pay like all these charity fees. Mm-hmm. He's he's admitted to corruption in the past. He called for the investigations.
1: Russia, are you listening? Russia,
2: are you listening? Um, he's scammed so many people. Trump University, what yeah. have you? Ted Cruz saying that, who knows better, that, you know, Russia propaganda is basically u- using Russian propaganda to say that Ukraine meddled in the 2016 election. The inspector general's report, which came out and refuted the, the the claims that Obama administration had spied on the Trump campaign. They don't care. They just say, they say it happened anyways. And, you know, it really comes to one of these things. It's like really hard to speak about this grief or this despair you feel because, when you do people call they the other side the maga side what have you would say oh you're triggered oh you're a snowflake it's right. akin to she writes that it is akin to a bully being like oh what are you going to cry now and it I was like oh my god <laughs> and so i really just felt all this it's really hard to you know when when you know what the, when you just know facts and yeah. it, they don't matter and it's just been a continuation of this for Years and years, and then, you know, the impeachment happens. You're like, oh, maybe something good is going to come from this. But nothing really matters. Um, But she ends it on a positive note. I will say this. So, sorry. Um, (laughs) She wrote, despair is worth discussing because it's something that organizers and Democratic candidates should be addressing head on. Left to fester, it can lead to apathy and withdrawal. Channeled properly, it can fuel an uprising. So it's like okay to feel despair but mm-hmm. you can't wallow in it. Yeah. You need to like turn around and do something. She spoke to another activist. Um, she's an army veteran and a mother of three. She actually helped swing the district that Newt Gingrich used to um, occupy. Mm-hmm. And she said, there are only other options to quit and accept it and I'm not ready to go there yet. Yeah. <sighs> so, I mean, in the way, like it, it doesn't make you feel better, but it does make you, f- it, for some reason, Put, like well, yeah. putting into putting, words, yeah. recognizing it, it's like, okay, that made me feel better.
1: <laughs> right. No, especially because like when you're being bullied and it's been a well-known sort of idea that Trump is gaslighting all of us. and yeah. His party is joining him. Yeah. To have it written out as like. I, I don't know. I it, Yeah. It, it definitely feels like being bullied and you feel vulnerable and you feel like mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person that when I'm like questioned by someone who seems so much more confident than me, um, I tend to sort of like not as much anymore, but I tend to feel kind of like cower and be like oh yeah well who do I think I am for even caring or thinking I know what's going on um but to see it written out like Mm -hmm. and I already knew this but like everybody feels this way yeah the smartest people in America feel this way
2: yeah and I think that like she says she talked about you know women of color and I think just minorities in general and you know I think people who are more I don't want to say persecuted but like marginalized do feel this more heavily. Like I, yeah. I, do, oh, I can like feel like certain things will like trigger me, not a great word, but make me feel like I'm middle school being bullied again. It's you know like what the I mean? political
1: version of it being SantaCon all the time. Yeah. And just like everywhere you go, you could run into like, like raucous groups of, yeah. of of like angry white men yeah who are like under the influence yeah of something, whether I'm, it's Trump or I know. Coors Light.
2: I'm really glad I got to go get out of the city during Santa Yeah, Con.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, so I my getting me through is sort of yeah. sort of an antidote to that. I was reading um an Axios over the weekend that in twenty twenty sort of the the shape of the electorate is sort of gonna take start making this big change that we've sort of been talking about for a long time with America becoming more diverse. Um, Americans born after 9-11 will be voting. Wow. Um, Gen Z will surpass the silent generation share of the electorate. And so the silent generation refers to people born between 1920 and 1945. So my takeaway from that is like old mm-hmm. people. But it's old people that vote and, and keep... Yeah, This is why the popular vote does not always reflect the Electoral College, because these are the old-ass people that are keeping the, these people in power, because it's really only these people that favor these policies. But Gen Z will surpass them for the first time. Um, Hispanic Hispanic Americans will surpass African Americans. It's the largest racial or ethnic minority group. That's not positive or negative. It's just another fact. Yeah. Um, and so by then, Gen Z will make up a tenth of the 2020 electorate, along with the millennials. That's 37%. And we already know Gen Z and millennials tend to favor... Um, civil liberties, we are more socially liberal, we're more tolerant. Um, 53% of potential first-time voters are non-Hispanic white people. That's down 11% from the rest of the voter age population. Um, voters are generally more educated. The 2020 census will probably moves, empower more progressive voters or empower more marginalized communities. At the same time, it might also concentrate people with different views, concentrate mm-hmm. more more red areas, make them even more red. Um, 13.7% of voters were born outside the U.S. And this just sort of like gives me a little bit of hope that we're in the right direction. Yeah. Like you were saying, like, I'm a white woman living in Manhattan. Trump can be president for five more years and nothing terrible will happen to me. That Mm -hmm. is not the case. I, I don't know that for sure. Yeah. But there's less of a chance something terrible will happen to me than somebody else. And I'm not saying that, like, we should all just give it time. Because eventually the voting block that we generally Americans share values that are not reflected in our leadership right now. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like at some point in the future we will have a big enough block to change that. And it will require hyper vigilance on all of us until until then. Like we still have to be protesting at all Mm -hmm. of this bullshit that they do because these policies like they can hurt people and they will hurt people as long as they're in power. That doesn't change just because I I hope and I believe that in the future we will make up a bigger part of the vote of the electorate that these people won't actually be in power Mm -hmm. but it does make me hope and sort of tend to believe that what's going on if we can keep it from getting too out of control if we can keep it from completely degrading our institutions if we can keep some civil liberties like there will be so much work to do to undo everything he's done but just looking at these numbers gives me some sort of hope that in like 10 to 15 years this country will be on the track that most people want it to be on
2: yeah totally and i think it really I, it makes me it makes me think about um two thousand eight when mm-hmm. Barack Obama was running for president and how he was able to really galvanize the youth and like those young voters to go to the polls and if, you know, one tenth of you know, if thirty seven percent of eligible voters are millennials and Gen Z in twenty twenty go to the polls. And we go to the polls, it means like really have a pro- like a really good chance of, you know, making our voices heard. Yeah. So it's just, it's just important to, you know, inspire people to I guess yeah. just go out. And you know, and a good note, um, we switched a lot of governorships from red to blue, so that will help with any redistricting and I don't know. Those are that would that that's a yeah. nice story.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. I was also reading that like California is investing tons of money um into sort of making sure people are aware of the census and filling it out. Mm-hmm. Whereas Texas has put in like none and it's been like nonprofits, which makes a lot of sense because what I was reading implies that the census will re- could redistrict in favor to minority voters and marginalized communities. So, of course, a state like Texas, which everyone thinks is sort of... There's a lot of red leadership, but people have real hopes that it will eventually be a blue state. Of course, they're not investing mm-hmm. in making sure that the people that live there fill out the census mm-hmm. so that their actual population is represented. And then in, on the other hand, of course, California, which is already a liberal state, yeah. but maybe they could... Be even more so, or maybe there's there's opportunities for more districts or more people to be elected. But I just thought that was interesting and it made perfect sense. Like, of course, Texas is like, no, 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 we don't really care yeah. if all these people are counted. And California is like, we're counting every single one of you. Yeah, it's just yeah. like you
2: know, there's one party that wants people to vote, and there's one party. That it, it, doesn't. That's exactly right. So.
1: That's all it comes down to. But um, also, I want to reference. I saw this this morning. It made me really happy. Um, last night was Miss World, and Miss Jamaica won. And mm-hmm. when it was announced that she won, her competitor Miss Nigeria just it was really hard to tell from the clip who won. I saw that, yeah, and yeah. I was like, wait.
2: I was she's, like her reaction is really bad that she lost and right. then and then it was, no no she's the one who won.
1: Right right right. <laughs> Miss Miss Jamaica is clearly overwhelmed and just sort of like falls sort of like drops her head and she won. But um on the last episode we had on uh, Mackenzie Green who works at Betches who's the senior manager for brand partnerships here but she was Miss DC USA in 2010 and she came on because last week um so right now five the five top pageant titles are held by black women as of last night but before last night it was four. Um, and that was monumental on its own. And we talked to Mackenzie about what, how, how race plays out in pageants and how tokenism works and how, what impact this is on people that are already in the pageant community and people that might aspire to and just how it plays out. There are so many different layers of bias and things that um, women of color are working up against in this environment. And um, she taught us sort of a lot about that and just like the history of othering black women's bodies in general. And it was great. Um, so definitely check that out. It's the last episode in your feed. Yep. Main news, more impeachment. We'll be talking about impeachment for at least
2: I don't at know. least a couple
1: more months. But, but
2: you know, I mean, we do have. We did
1: want to have this conversation.
2: We did. We're, we're well. So I mean, I don't know if this is the best time to say, it, but so Thursday we have a live episode, like a like a like a new like a episode that's coming out yeah, that's yeah. reporting on the news, and then the following few weeks are like things that we've sort of backlogged. Right. So you will get. That's a,
1: true. That's true. We'll get a little break.
2: We'll get a little break, and you guys will get like a nice holiday tree. I feel like.
1: Oh yeah, we have some really really fun we have some stuff. Fun stuff. We're not just saying up. that. It's really fun. Yeah. Um. So on Friday, the House Judiciary Commode- Committee voted. 23 to that wasn't even a funny mr commoded. Yeah, commoded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um on friday the house judiciary committee voted 23 to 17 to move two articles of impeachment to the full house for a vote they were two separate votes um, every republican voted against every democrat in favor ted Lieu was not there he was recovering from um, heart procedure he's a democrat so that would have been 24 to 17 but still a party vote this came after a 14-hour markup the day before where Republicans basically just proposed, like, numerous amendments that were never going to pass, but they yeah. slowed down the process. They got super personal and shitty about Hunter Biden. Matt Goetz, like, yeah. brought up his past of <laughs> substance abuse. and then, Which is
2: I- ironic. And
1: then Hank Johnson was like, why are we calling the kettle black? Because Matt Goetz has a DUI. Yeah,
2: like, two years before he was elected Right,
1: right. And I was reading that. So they were doing this. Around eleven o'clock, Jerry Nadler, who is the chairman of that committee, on Thursday night said, "All right, we're going to vote on this tomorrow because I don't want you guys—I don't think he said this, but because I don't want you guys to say that we're going to do this in the middle of the night." And some people thought that that's maybe why Republicans were totally being jerks all day, so they could say they did this in the middle of the night. So instead, they did it the next day on Friday the thirteenth, yeah, um, where they had that House vote, and then that took about ten minutes, and then now we wait on a Senate trial. Well, actually, no, we wait for the vote, yeah. It's there's so many steps to this happening, and every time you know, CNN is like, This is historic! This is historic, uh-huh. and then like people on Instagram when I report are like which okay so which vote is he impeached yeah at? almost there's well, one more vote
2: left. yeah i tweeted this and i was like this impeachment process is like the girl's birthday party who never ends the girl whose birthday month never ends yeah. she's always celebrating every day and it's like wait is today the I birthday know. no yeah. no no no. today yeah. is the birthday no 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 no. and we're all just like wasted <laughs> right. and drunk and it's depressed. like if
1: your birthday's on like a friday and you yeah. start celebrating the friday the yeah. saturday before then you exactly but um so on the vote the full vote is expected on wednesday Expected to go generally across party lines mm-hmm. with a couple of Democrats. Um, a lot of moder- last week's some moderate Democrats were like, we want to censure him, which is just dumb because he's going to be impeached anyway. Yeah. Um, and there are some Democrats that are defecting. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but, yeah, I think people are even though the vote hasn't even happened yet, people are really starting to think about the Senate trial. Chuck Schumer mm-hmm. starting to get involved. Um,
2: yeah. So Trump apparently has been privately pushing for a longer process to have a more theatrical defense. Um, Mitch McConnell wants it to go quicker. Um, he wants. He said he wants to be dignified, but I don't know how dignified it could be. So uh, Mitch McConnell was, uh, he met with uh, Pat Chippellone. Chippellone? Chippellone. That sounds uh, good. The White House counsel to hash out terms of the trial, um, you know, how long it would be, how many hours, how much time each side would get. Whether whether there would be witnesses, et cetera, et cetera, um, so he talked to Fox News and said that this would be a quote total coordination with the White House. And I think we have a clip. Yeah.
0: Everything I do during this, I'm coordinating with White House counsel. There will be no difference between the president's position and our position as to uh, how to handle this.
1: Isn't that shocking? That is shocking. They are. We'll remind you, they are jurors. hmm They they take an oath to be impartial.
2: Yeah. And so. Basically what he's saying is I, the jury, will be working with the defendant to come up with a strategic plan. So the reason <sighs> I this is like, yeah, this is awful. This is how dare you. Um I'm but you know, there are these Republican senators in their home states who are are less likely to win reelection than they then, you know, then they you know what I mean? Like it's a tight race for a lot of these people. Lindsey Graham just in the latest poll was only up two points in South Carolina, which is wow, awesome. And so they are going to have to rely upon you know independent voters to really take them over the line. And I don't think I think I, we know that independent voters do not like Frank partisanship. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think for them to come in and already have made up their mind does not do, do like bode well for them because. You know, if they were able to come in and be like, I like even if we, you are like, we know you are. Don't say it. You know what I mean? Like you should if you came in and were like, I'm going to look at right, the facts. Right. I'm going to try and be a blank slate. And then I decided that w- with the evidence in front of me that Trump should not be impeached. I feel like that would have worked better for them.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially because like I saw some Democrats I had an, I, I, you know when you notice your own knee jerk reaction, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have liked if somebody that had an opposite view of me did that. Because I, I saw that and then um, actually Lindsey Graham said something similar. Mm-hmm. And then I saw Jake Tapper ask like a Democrat, like, was well, your mind made up? And of course the Democrat was like, of course not. I have to see everything. And yeah. I was like, well, yeah, that's what we're asking them to do. But um, Lindsey Graham also suggested that he will not be impartial. Here's that clip.
2: This thing will come to the Senate
3: and it will die quickly. And I will do everything I can to make it die quickly. I am trying to give a pretty clear signal I have made up my mind. I'm not I, trying I wasn't in pretend any doubt be a fair juror here.
1: So he's saying he's not even trying to pretend. Yeah. They take an oath. Mm-hmm. I, I think Val Demings last week after Mitch McConnell uh, said this was like, he should recuse himself if that's yeah. how he feels.
2: He is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He is a former like, prosecutor, lawyer or something. Who is? Lindsey Graham. He's in the Senate. Oh, he's the the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And so, like, you know, you'd think that this person who holds this position of power would have more, you know, respect for, you know, the Constitution and like the rule of law. I
1: mean, towards the end of the House hearings, the Republican argument started to be, why are we rushing? Mm -hmm. Like, especially the ones that were like, I don't know yet. The Mm -hmm. ones that weren't like the Jim Jordans, like, I want more information. And now... You could go into a Senate trial and Republicans could get more information. They can call. So let's talk about let's talk about how this trial should go. So Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer is the minority leader in the Senate. He's a senator from New York are now sort of talking about how this might go. He wrote um, he wrote McConnell a letter basically saying, like, I want to be able to call witnesses. Mm -hmm. Um, How dare you? Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, He wants so. That trial will be overseen by Chief Justice John Roberts, and he wants... Schumer wants Roberts to issue subpoenas for four key officials. Mick Mulvaney, acting like his house of staff, he's the one who said, like, yeah, we gave the aid for the... This is what happens. Get over it. Yeah, yeah. get over it. Uh, John Bolton, former National Security Advisor, he... Won't talk, but has a $2 million book deal. He was Fiona mm-hmm. Hill's boss and apparently said, like, go tell, when he heard about this, was like, go tell the lawyers about this. I don't want to be part of this drug deal.
2: And he's, yeah, he's the one who's, like, been tweeting, like, I know something. Right. He's a fucking asshole. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, Richard Blair, senior advisor to the acting White House chief of staff, and Michael Duffy, who works at the uh, Office of Management and Budget, and he might seem to know why and who told um, that agency to yeah. not release things.
2: Um, funny, uh, ironically, there's that, you know, eight minute phone call with. Rudy Giuliani yeah. and the Office of Management and Budget that no one seems to know what was about. Exactly,
1: right. Schumer also was like, hey, can we get those papers at the White House? I think that the House subpoenaed in 71 documents. Uh-huh. They got none.
2: Uh-huh. And the witnesses talk about that. They're right. like, I i don't have my notes. I can't tell you yeah. for certain which way or another. If I have my notes, I could help right. you.
1: <laughs> totally. And I think that this letter, and uh, Schumer was on on TV this morning talking about it, is largely sort of making it public so that everybody knows what he's asked McConnell for. Uh-huh. I mean, so there are 53 senators in the Senate. O'Connell needs 51 to pass motions. Motions is like motion to bring this witness. Motion to not. Motion to just like let's. If he wants to do this very expediently. But there are vulnerable GOP representatives. Like yeah. that aren't. That are gonna. Their voters don't want them just. Their voters want them to look at this seriously. Yeah. And if like Susan Collins votes every motion to like not have. ai don't I don't know if they vote motions for witnesses. But I think that so, like she's not going to do well. Like she has a serious challenger in her state. Yeah, so it, I think that like. Uh, there, I I think Chuck Schumer is starting to put McConnell in a difficult yeah. political.
2: Corey Gardner is in the same boat. Yes. Um. Steve Bullock is running Lisa against him Murkowski. now. Lisa Murkowski. Steve Bullock is like up in all the polls, so Corey Gardner Good has to really like figure out what the hell to do for right. in Colorado. Yeah. Um. Right. And so you know this idea of like bringing in witnesses, like so these are the these are the people that the White House did not like basically told them not to go before uh the House. Um, which is why there's an obstruction of Congress article yes. of impeachment, and so they're like, "Well, we want them subpoenaed here because they have the firsthand um, information that the House Republicans were saying that we didn't have. But the only reason we didn't have that is because the White House was obstructing Congress, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just a fucking you know, rolling right, right. uh, like, ring around the rosy. Yeah, yeah. And, and the House and,
1: decided not to wait for judges yes, to, to decide on because they thought maybe
2: here. But also the reason I think that you know. I know I'm sure Trump and McConnell or not maybe McConnell, but Trump really wants them to call like, you know, Hunter Biden. They really want them to call perhaps even Joe Biden. Yeah. But, you know, if what if they had were able to call Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, they would have to make the concession that the Democrats would get a couple of witnesses of their own as well. And so I think the idea of them having Mc, subpoenaing Mick Mulvaney and John Bolton is like worse than than also having Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. You know what I mean? They would rather just have none of them, and I'm sure it's like... Right, I think,
1: yeah, Chuck Schumer on TV, I mean, the anchor was asking him, like, would you do something like a trade, even though Schumer's not really in charge, like, if they can bring... What if you could negotiate something with McConnell where they could bring Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and you could bring all these guys? And Schumer was like, but those men are not relevant to what's going on. Mm -hmm. These four people are the only ones with firsthand knowledge. That's You guys are all saying it's all hearsay, so... He's just you
2: like, would think if the White House and the and the Republicans felt that they had witnesses that could, you know, um redeem Trump's case, you know. You should say,
1: like, let's sure. Yeah, fine. We'll I have know, Hunter Biden I, in. It's yeah, worth it. Call exactly. their bluff. But if, if
2: they if they had the witnesses that could, you know, wipe away any thought of, you know, corruption or anything wrong, then they would do it. But they don't.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, another detail, House Dems, apparently about 30 of them want Justin Amash to be a House manager. The House managers are sort of the prosecutors and they they go to the Senate trial and present the House's case. Um, Justin Amash was a Republican. He is now an independent. He was effectively kicked out of his party, I believe, for supporting impeachment after the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. Um, putting him out there makes it seem like a bipartisan effort. He's also just one of the most conservative members of the House, even his views, um, mm. other than, you know. Whether we should have a king or not, tend well, yeah. to be very conservative.
2: Which I mean, which is, seems more online with Republicans than we knew before, right? You know, because right. he read the he was like I read the full Mueller report, and right. clearly he obstructed justice.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, it's risky for Nancy. This is all up to Nancy Pelosi. Um, he's because he's an independent. I and he clearly just pursues isn't one to go along with the pact. Like I don't think that his his loyalty is to Democrats in the impeachment process. Like so, I think she thinks he could go a little a little rogue. Um. But it does look good. It, it gives a, a an element of bipartisanship to it, um, which brings us to this next story. Um, we mentioned earlier that a couple Democrats might uh, not vote um, to impeach the president. One of them is Repu- Representative uh, Republican Representative Jeff Van Soon Drew of New Jersey. Um, he's a moderate from a trump district his district went for trump in 2016 it had gone from obama before that who ha- is planning to switch his party to be a republican because he is against impeachment but this is actually if you look more closely like a completely political move and yeah, it's gross he
2: saw some polling um there was a poll conducted by his campaign only 24 percent of likely voters in his district said he should be reelected reelected sorry and nearly 60% of them saying they wanted another Democrat yeah. in the seat. Basically, so. if he were
1: going to run for his seat again as a Democrat, he would not win. Good so he luck. thinks that he, if he runs as a Republican.
2: Good luck in the Republican primary, dude. He talked
1: to Trump about this. And Trump tweeted, like, Van Drew's a really smart guy. You, I think you said this when we talked about how he voted against formalizing the inquiry. And now I'm with you. Anyone with a van in their name?
2: Yeah. I don't trust. Up to no
1: good. No, yeah. I know some vans that are fine. But, like, he straight up talked to Trump Freda about van this. Van Yeah, right. (laughs) Talk to Trump about this. Talk to the White House advisors. Trump tweeted about it. Um, Just cynically a political move. And also like I saw this and I thought, I mean, how great for Trump to have maybe he boots Pence and is like, look, this guy was so against the lying Democrats that he became a Republican for me.
2: I see. I have this theory about Mike Pence that he is so much more calculated and has so much more in his, you know, his art like what's it called like his his, like mm-hmm. um I don't know fuck his infantry not the infantry but he has so much in his back arsenal. pocket arsenal he has so much in his arsenal that I don't think Trump will ever actually be able to get rid of him mm-hmm. there was this interesting thing that I read this it was this like NPR special or something about Mike Pence that I listened to and he was not religious or like extremely conservative growing up and even into college he wrote this like essay this like thesis basically being like unless you have a root like in religion you can't really win or -hmm. something like that it was like you don't you you need to be able to do this thing and then like a few years later he's like i took christ into my life and was born again yeah and so and then he was like a talk radio host for a while trying to build up his name because he knew he wanted yeah he knew he wanted to be a politician he's very calculated yeah totally um, and I feel like even when, you know, Trump, the Axis Hollywood tape and when Trump first got elected, et cetera, et cetera, he still tried to like distance himself, but he's still there. So it's like, he's trying, he's, he's toeing a line even to this day.
3: of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homeshef.com/feverdream. That's homeshef.com/feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. homeshef.com/feverdream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
0: When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Are we doing election section? We
1: are, we are. So there's some serious debate drama, like, across the board. Yeah. So, first, all set... Sa- so seven presidential contenders have uh, qualified for the Dem debate. It was going to be all the white people. Andrew Yang has, um, unsurprisingly to me, at least, qualified. So the 70 candidates are supposed to debate this Thursday, the 19th at... Loyola Marymount University, but there's a serious labor dispute there right now, and the candidates are saying they will not, none of them will cross the picket line. So, Unite Here Local 11 is a union that represents the cashiers, cooks, and dishwashers at the university. They're negotiating a collective bargaining agreement with Sodexo, which is the bigger company that employs them and is subcontracted by the university. Um, they claim that Sodexo canceled negotiation about health care and wages last week, which means that they are no longer working. They mm-hmm. are not willing to work on the week and the day of this debate and the dnc is saying like we're working with everyone we don't expect anyone to have to cross the picket line i am sure this will be worked out yeah um i kind of can't I think imagine this has the happened DNC before letting
2: them yeah
1: well i mean i don't know what the dnc has control over i mean they have to like
2: i'm sure they're i'm yeah. sure they're placing all the right calls yeah
1: i agree right yeah totally. yeah um the dnc is also um receiving some letters from candidates about um, basically qualification requirements. We've been talking about this since this election cycle started because there's been so many candidates. there has mm-hmm. been the qualifications for candidates have had to meet qualifications to be on the debates because there's so many candidates and this qualifications have gotten increasingly difficult to meet um, So Cory Booker has not qualified for the next debate, neither has Julian Castro. Julian Castro was not in the last debate and they're basically saying you're shutting us out this the way that you are doing this process, look at what it's doing. It's cutting out people of color. Um, the other, all of the other candidates signed the letter, basically saying like lower the thresholds because Tom Steyer is up here and Julian Castro is not. Yeah. And uh, that's, that should tell you something. And he's basically,
2: um, he basically bought his place in that stage. Um, right. And I don't know. I have, I have like, I'm so ambivalent about this because it's, Yes, I feel like obviously, Cory Booker or Castro should be up there more than Tom Steyer. However, there was such it was just such a shit show with those two ten two ten people debates. Right? Yeah, like, I
1: think like, the DNC is like. I mean, we can't get you two nights anywhere. So. I
2: just, I just want, I like, and like a lot of these debates, like even up until the last one, aren't really debates. They're just like people saying ideas and yeah. then they might get some rebuttal a couple of times but they're not really debating topics
1: i don't understand why it's not just like the top 10 you know like like yeah. they only have seven that have qualified yeah and like we talked about this on a recent podcast that i think this might not be right i'll check on it but i think it was like john Kerry or somebody was in sixth place ahead of the iowa caucuses and then won the iowa caucuses yeah. like and the Iowa often result in that person being the candidate. So, like, mm-hmm. if you're going to shut out the eighth person yeah. this close, yeah. I mean, things are changing constantly. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know if anything will happen from this, but...
2: I mean, Amy Klobuchar just had a yeah. huge push in Iowa. Oh,
1: my. oh, yeah, right, exactly. She
2: Her she, her poll numbers have never looked as good and was like, wow. Yeah. But she's going to be there.
1: Right, right. But who does not want to debate is Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Trump and his team and his advisors are considering whether or not the president will do general election debates so sammy has had this theory for a while and i have always rolled my eyes at it. yeah (laughs) i've always been like that's crazy like he has to debate no i guess he does not yeah so he doesn't like the commission on presidential debates he doesn't trust them he has misgivings about them um he knows he sucks at debates hillary got a bump every time afterwards apparently like he had um a confrontation with them because remember at the debate, his campaign had all of Bill Clinton's accusers come. Yep. He wanted to sit them like right in Hillary's line of sight. Mm-hmm. And just, I think just like for straight up lo- like logistical reasons that just would not work. Yeah. Also, um, I don't think it would have
2: phased her one bit. No. Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> she is, She's fucking seen. Everything. She's unclappable. She right. Um, Unflappable. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. Unclappable. Yeah. Yeah. But then I, <laughs> unfortunately that's also the that's case also sometimes true. Um, but I was also reading that like more likely he will pull this and then be like fine I'll do one and he'll be a hero for doing one uh, and, but really he only gets he only has to do one
2: yeah yeah
1: um,
2: I don't know I feel like uh, I feel like he would it would I feel like he loves to be on television he loves the spotlight and I don't I and I don't see how like people would people want to see him debate yeah, I
1: bet it depends this, I mean, I'm
2: sure his base wants to see him like be like oh he's gonna rip whoever the person is right. apart like and then they're gonna say he won anyways
1: right, right. so like exactly. and right. then he's
2: gonna post some twitter poll that said he won the debate from like you know Infowars and be like right. see i won totally. and it's like okay whatever nothing right. matters anyways right.
1: yeah right like him i mean i'm sure he'd be happy to hop up there with joe biden
2: yeah mm-hmm spin that to
1: look like anything yeah exactly. did you also see last night he tweeted something about like nancy pelosi couldn't even keep her teeth in her mouth
2: yeah he basically anytime he feels like threatened he lashes out at someone's appearance right
1: it's just foul
2: yeah it's disgusting yeah
1: anyway so one more thing british elections these happened at the end of the week last week we have a lot of um, british listeners you guys write to us so just gonna give a very brief overview for our american listeners because you guys i think have a pretty good grasp on this and i hope that we it seems like there's a very clear takeaway right yeah yeah so
2: They vote on Thursday. Um, They voted overwhelmingly for the conservative party um, or the Tories, which is uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson's party. Um, And they are for Brexit. And so they got a 78 seat parliamentary majority. um, And they also it was also the worst showing for the opposition, the the left wing part, uh, Labor Party, um, led by Jeremy Corbyn in nearly 100 years.
1: Did y'all see that coming? I feel like I did not. I don't know. I I just saw there was another election. I was are-
2: I was I was trying to pay attention to it like beforehand, and it seemed like no one really knew, like everyone was saying the polls are not reliable there, mm-hmm. and so no one really knew. It looked like Boris Johnson had like a signif- like a good lead, but I don't think anyone expected it to be as large as it was. Yeah, but I think
1: l- I also didn't realize, and you and I were talking about this before we started, how unpopular Cortman was. Yeah. I didn't know that
2: he had an approval rating of negative <laughs> forty. Jesus And to put that in perspective, Boris Johnson is at minus 12. Yeah. So I feel like maybe they needed a different person. I know. It's
1: funny because as like a person who really loves Hillary Clinton and um, gets sad when people are like, she was a terrible candidate. And then seeing like, I feel like that's a similar scenario. Where I'm like, what? what are they doing with that guy? Whereas, yeah. like at the time, it's like, what are they doing with her? She's the, like not yeah. a winning candidate. But I think afterwards, he was like, all right, I'm gonna step. I'm gonna step away. Yeah, well, tra- I clearly yeah. am toxic.
2: Traditionally, um, left wing parties like the Labour Party was dominated by like the working class, and the right wing party, like the Tories, were society's upper class. But this has become less reliable. Um, Urban professionals have drifted left and the working classes have kind of went right. Because, you know, there's this we saw with Brexit. There was this whole disinformation campaign surrounding um, immigration and, you know, uh, migration. And Brexit has obviously been very polarizing there. Brexit was supercharged in this long running process. Um, And... You know, highly educated city dwellers tended to oppose Brexit while rural and less educated voters tended to support
0: leaving.
1: Yeah, it just sucks. I feel like everybody was like, we want to show for sure that this is what we want. And Mm -hmm. this wasn't a straight up Brexit referendum. But um, well, at least in Scotland, the Scottish National Party won a landslide of Scottish seats. Yeah. Um, They ousted their liberal Democrat leader, Joe Swinson, which if... That's the name that I hear a lot in in British politics. So I was surprised to hear that. Um, yeah, the Scottish government wants another referendum. They're like, we don't want to leave. Yeah, you a lot can't of them drag don't. us out. Yeah. Um, and so their party, Nicholas Sturgeon, is saying that this is not democratic for for Johnson not to give them another referendum. Uh, mm-hmm. But in like sort of be- not bet I don't know if it's better news. Just it's not necessarily good news that women get elected if those women are not uh, mm-hmm. in favor of policies that support women and people of all genders, but the elections are a record number breaking number of women that voters enter parliament mm-hmm. um they'll hold 220 seats or 34% of the house of commons which is up 208 seats after the 2017 election 2017 election 34% i mean we're 50% of people but 34% is good i think here in the senate we have like 20 female senators um it was especially notable because before this election 18 sitting female mp's had sat st- stood down um, because they had been har- harassed online so overwhelmingly, and there was that woman that was murdered a couple years ago.
2: Yeah, um, it's awful, yeah. but it's it's nice. Like I, this the you know inequality is seeming to get smaller in a lot of governments. But did you see that Finland just elected yeah. el- a, the youngest female prime minister yeah. ever?
1: And the government is all run by women.
2: Uh huh. She's yeah. thirty five years old. Yeah. Um, well, Finland is like very like they've they elected I think their first female prime minister in like two thousand three. Yes. yes, it's and, like their third. Or yeah, something. and they um. And they, I think half of their government basically is women, which is like, oh, that's what it should be. Right,
1: right, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yes. Um, Again, look for the last episode in your feed where we talked to Mackenzie Green about um, pageants. Mm -hmm.
2: And always remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We've been getting a lot of great reviews. Yes. I think it's really helping us um, widen our listenership. So if you want people to be informed like you are, Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe so other people can find it Yes,
1: as well. and if you review, uh, we're still two more weeks going on in our giveaway. If you review before the end of the month, DM us um, a screenshot of your review on Instagram. If, if, if your message isn't read yet, I will get to it. I can only, this week has been wild, so I have certain times of the week where I read all the messages. I will get to it. It will be read. You will be entered. I promise you. Um, so leave us a review, shoot us a message. You will hear back from me confirming you are entered. Um, that's it for today.
2: Yeah. So until then, in democracy, I'm, I'm Brian Russell Smith.
1: I'm Amanda Duberman. <laughs>
2: this has been the Betches Up Podcast. Betches.